Trollodren, Legends and Lore. Episode 8, Omni. Well, hello and welcome to Trollodrin Legends and Lore. I'm Chad Corey, and as I said in the last episode, I'll say again, we are continuing the mini-series here we started on Episode 6, in which we introduced the Cosmic Entities. We're going to be exploring the, I guess you can say the major players, or I guess people of prominence in the pre-recorded timeline of Trilodron history, even going further back before the planet even existed, back to the very beginnings of where the gods came from and who were their forefathers and how they all came about. Again, I'm not going to be getting into the incredible nitty-gritty because there's a lot of stuff, a lot of details that I can share, but I'm choosing not to do so at this point, kind of doing more of a highlight, more of a summary, um, primarily because some of the stuff I'll be sharing as we get closer to certain individuals will be coming up in some upcoming publications, as well as things I plan to do in the not-too-distant future. I also have some ideas. I'm playing around with some other episodes for this and other podcasts, and I don't want to necessarily get everything out and and ruin one for the other, for lack of a, a better explanation there. But what I will be trying to do is be as informative and inf- insightful as possible, giving you the basic overview and some fun tidbits along the way that will at least let you know who these people are, where they fit into the historical record, and kind of what their significance is as far as you know what they did, what they accomplished, what some lasting effects of their existence have been in the world of Trollodron in general. And let me quick do a little segue here too, if I could. I want to make everyone aware, again, if you haven't heard before, please bear with me if you have. Return of the Wizard King, the first book in the Wizard King trilogy, will be coming out September 15th of this year, 2020. It will be available in bookstores, online, uh, internationally too, as far as I know. Other countries that don't even speak English have access to it, and you should be able to get it there as well. It will be available in print, in digital, and in audio, both in a digital and a hard copy format. And as I said in the last episode, I'll say again, I, if you want to, if it's something you be interested in but don't really know if you want to you know, spend the money up front, maybe an opportunity would be to check with your library, see if they could order in a copy, Try it out that way, and it also allows other people to take advantage of it, too, who might not readily know it's even around yet. And again, a reminder, pre-orders are available. Pre-orders help in a lot of different ways. One of them, of course, is getting the publisher a, a rough idea of how many to actually print, although we have done the print run now, and that's in the, the market. But this is something that also can help things such as getting on the bestseller list. Now, it might be seen kind of funny, but you'd be surprised some of these lists now in the, the fragmented market that we exist in now, digital and on, you know, all over the world and stuff, it's not as hard to reach certain levels as it was before, especially when we have different formats of the book to use to our advantage. And so if you haven't uh, taken advantage of that pre-order yet, sometimes places have special sales and things where you can get it for a really good deal. I'd encourage you to check that out. You only got a month or so left here, depending upon when you listen to this episode because it will be coming out again September 15th of this year. All right, and that's the end of the spiel for this episode. Thanks for bearing with me, guys. Just had to get that out there. All right, now moving into what we're talking about today, which is Omni. Now, Omni is the eldest son. Not the only son, but he is the eldest son 
of Adon. We talked about Adon last episode. If you want to learn more about him, I do encourage you to check it out and take a listen. Uh, Avni, again, he was the eldest son. He was appointed by Adon to be his successor. And in fact, he was named his successor while Adon was still alive. Again, the idea was that he would teach him how to be a better ruler, kind of serve as a advisor, a font of wisdom, for lack of a better term, and maybe kind of a hand behind the throne to help guide him in making some decisions and setting up a path that would be good for him to continue to take throughout the rest of his life and his kids after him and so on and so forth. By the time of Omni coming to the throne, he was coming in a very good time for him. He actually oversaw the finalization of the whole planet being made into the kingdom he would reign over. The planet, of course, being Thangaria, and named after the original tribe from which Adon hailed. So, as you can see, the power and influence he had at his disposal was very large. And he enjoyed it immensely, but he also had a desire within him, as did many of his generation, to take what was done and actually get some accomplishments for himself. He didn't want to necessarily rest on the laurels of those that came before. He wanted to make a name for himself and have more territory and more influence and even more power to wield over people. And this is where things begin to change with the history and the focus of the Titanic line, especially in the beginning stages here. There was kind of a tension and a struggle between the two concepts of power and ruling or just, you know, working cooperatively and working for the good of everyone. And as you'll as we'll see in these episodes that come, there is a strong direction that they choose to take these rulers, these titanic rulers, and it's not necessarily for the benefit of everyone, it's more and more for their own power and and wealth and ability and, and so on and so forth. It becomes more and more selfish and and uh, despotic in, in some ways. And that actually works to their detriment and to the detriment of their history. But it does have some echoes that will play out in the larger scheme of the cosmos and, of course, in the larger scheme of Trilodon, which is ultimately going to be a product of their generations after them's creation. I'm speaking, of course, of the gods who come from these early titanic rulers. So Omni was, I don't want to say power-obsessed, but he had a direct desire to want to learn more. There was a scholarly aspect to him, but he also wanted a conquest. He wanted some some credit, some stuff for to his credit. And that led him into taking an expedition to the moon. And there he conquered it, basically. This is the very first time that we saw warfare used. And specifically warfare used in the means of conquering another people or group or territory strictly for the benefit of just, you know, claiming it and dominating it and, you know, lashing out and, and grabbing hold of it. Previous to this, under Adon, it was a very different approach. They looked at it from a, a cooperative, a joint beneficial agreement, mutual uh, alliances and things that took place. And it, it wasn't, there was never any swordplay. There was never any dominance. It was always coming together as people looking at equals. Even as the, the kingdom rose up and Adon became more and more of a power, people were still approached, and, and he approached them more as equals and, and for the benefit of all involved. That changed more under Ami, and that would continue to change throughout the rest of his lineage. But what he did is began to set the precedent now that you have to conquer, and whoever conquers is the greatest. And he set about just, he took over the moon, he took over 
other setups and kind of footholds in other places of uh, the nearby planets and things. But the biggest thing that made that possible was through the creation of their teleportation system. And I'm not going to get into all the specifics on that because, again, some of this stuff will be coming up in other stories, other things I want to do more detailed information on. But needless to say, they, they created, through the ability of the mystics, who we talked about in last episode, they began to develop a greater understanding, became kind of like what we would understand to be later Trelodrone wizards or mages. They were beginning to understand how to use the cosmic forces and to manipulate them and use them to do different things that they wanted to accomplish. And that allowed them to create these means of teleportation portals and things they could use to not only just move around the planet, which greatly increased Omni's control and the, the overall unification of the people into one constant culture and identity, but it also allowed them to conquer and reach out to and interact with different planetary bodies. I mean, they had some, some pretty wild abilities later on as they were able to master it. And that allowed them to conquer things that, like the whole new planets and whole, like the moons and stuff that weren't necessarily within their grasp. And this obviously was of a great interest to Omni, who really began to study more and more the concepts of what the mystics were saying. He was still kind of a, a religious individual, but he was more and more focused on learning, on, on getting a better understanding of what the cosmos was, where his place was in it. And he was, again, kind of bridging the divide between the change that would come with, with Adon and then Omni's son, who we'll get to in next episode, named Endurus. And as much as Omni is known for setting the precedent for conquest and beginning to move out and take new land and territory and supporting the mystics and their agenda over the priests, what he was probably most known for and still remains known for, at least in Titanic circles, is the Omnian Scrolls. What happened was he became what many believe was one of the first seers in the sense that he could see things that supposedly were going to happen in the future. Now, up until this time, as I mentioned last episode, there were mystics that were kind of more shamanic in their mindset initially, and they did have visions and they did see things and things, but this was something a little bit different, whereas the mystics were more of trances or finding things that were in the immediate future or vicinity or, or some basic vague future type things. What Omni was getting, he was he was confident, and many people after him believed, was the future events of the entire cosmos. Kind of a, a segmented aspect of it in different stages, different ages, if you want to call it that. And he saw different things that he really wasn't able to figure out nor really even successfully write down in a, in a cohesive, clear manner. And so a lot of what he is able to put down was is, is viewed by some as kind of weird and vague and kind of really hard to understand because he's using terminology that he's having to create because he can't comprehend or figure out what he's seeing because this stuff is all way in the future and he has no reference point for it. And he also was trying to draw out what he saw, but because he drew it out and it's a vision. Again, he's trying to make sense of what he's seen. So there's a lot of ambiguity in how it's interpreted. There's a lot of different ways they're interpreted as far as what you know X Y Z is, what this image is supposed to mean. And so he he really didn't have a, a consensus even among himself. And what he tried to bring in for advisors, a, a trusted handful of people to ask for their input on what what this is. 
But the Omnian Scrolls are about seven different scrolls, and they cover different topics and different time periods. And the general consensus of those that came after him that tried to study it was that these were important key elements or key time frames in the global or cosmic timeline, if you will. And these are things that people should be aware of. And he was showing these either because you could benefit from them if you want to take that view, or you're supposed to be aware to you know, prepare for them so you don't get affected by them, or to somewhere in between, just run and hide or you know whatever. He didn't really specify why he was showing these things. He didn't even know why. He didn't even know why himself where these were coming from or why he was receiving them. So he again, he was just kind of all like all over the place. But he did his best to try and record it, put it down, and get this information uh, on the, the record, so to speak. And he wanted to encourage the people that came after him to study it and take advantage of it because obviously those who follow him will be more in the future and maybe this will be something that they're supposed to be aware of and take advantage of for their benefit and maybe the benefit of the empire. And he was the very first person who began to develop the empire. Previously with the known, he had the kingdom. Omni came in, he updated it, he made great technological advances. Like obviously one of them is the transportation system. He also increased with, you know, he made coinage, he made weapons, he made armor, obviously, which haven't really been made before. He made a great advance in technology overall for the Titan race. And he wanted to spread that and develop it and make it even greater. And what he did is laid the foundations for what would become the Titanic Empire. And that would be what his son would take over and begin to rule for him. But unfortunately, like Adon before him, Omni wasn't able to impart all his wisdom to his son and wasn't able to stay around long enough to do so because, again, where he was under the the Nolik dispensation in which basically said if you died during that time, you didn't have anything else to remain or to exist in. You just were done. There was no afterlife. There was no reality after death. It was done. So he had no means to share or impart any information to his son or sons, I should say, and that included all the wisdom and stuff he learned throughout the years through his father, Adon. All he could do is write some things down and hope they read it, and that's what he tried to do with the Omnian Scrolls, try to support and promote them to Endurus, but he just, just wouldn't listen, unfortunately, and that was to his detriment because unlike his father, he was even more focused on warfare and conquest. He really, really wanted it. He just wanted to take everything on and just make a name for himself bigger and better than what ever had been done before. And that would be the dominant strain in his particular reign, which we'll get to in the next episode. But Omni basically was seen as a decent, decent ruler, someone who solidified and unified, maybe created the original Titanic culture in the sense that he united everything more tightly together and spread it out throughout the entire uh, solar system that they had at that time, the moons and planets and so on and so forth. So in that sense, he could be seen as in a continuation of, of Adon, but he was also the beginnings of the imperial mindset and the conquest mindset that would dominate the rest of the empire after him. And of course, the biggest legacy he left for those that would remember it, because not everyone always did, was the Omnian Scrolls. The history of those, again, I'm saving that for later because I got some fun things I want to use those for. But what happened is Anduris really was not 
too keen on them. He didn't really... He had good intentions. He meant to get to them, you know, eventually, but he never really did. Uh, and that was to his detriment because he might have been able to learn some things that were coming on and might have been able to pass on some wisdom to them that lived during that time afterwards. But people that did pick it up and had an interest in them would take advantage of them and use them for their benefit and actually use them to rise to the highest level any Titan ever thought possible. And we'll talk about them and uh, one of those people in particular in a later episode. And so I think this is a good spot to call it the end for this episode. Thank you for listening so much. And again, if you have any questions on any of this or any things that you wanted to share or any commentary about what's being presented, do feel free to shoot me an email and let me know. I'd be more than happy to see if there's a particular interest with people listening, uh, certain categories, certain areas. Maybe you want some more information. If I can provide it, I'll see if I can do that. Or you might have some questions or some things I can answer in, uh, you know, answer you directly or maybe put together some things on a next forthcoming episode with some questions and get some answers that way to you as well. The email is uh, lore, L-O-R-E, at Chad Corey, that's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E dot com. Otherwise, thanks for listening in. We'll see you next episode. We'll be talking about Endurus, the third titanic ruler of an ever-growing titanic empire. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.